The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. I heard a story on the radio a few years ago, and there was a line that has stuck with me ever since. There was a father who was describing his experience of uncertainty about starting a family. He was a bit older and thought he was past that stage of life, and so he naturally wondered about things like not getting to see grandkids or even perhaps a high school graduation. But then at some point, some switch flipped, and he said that he realized this. To have a child at all, under any circumstances, is to embrace a future that you cannot control. Now, the range of ways that that is true is expansive, and one of the things that parents learn quickly is to manage their own expectations. You finally don't control whether you'll have a child at all, much less whether you'll have a boy or a girl, whether your child will be healthy or ill, musical or athletic, whether your child will marry or not, or even if your child will continue to love Jesus. The lack of control in all things, from the trivial down to the most significant, that can make parenting at times feel a bit like riding an elephant. Just the sight of somebody riding the elephant 
reveals a lot of uncertainty about just who's in charge of the situation. I have to imagine that Zechariah was keenly aware of his lack of control. In fact, you might even describe his initial doubts as an unwillingness to embrace this future that was outside his control. Maybe you remember how the story goes. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were both quite old, like Abraham and Sarah. And Elizabeth had long been barren. But one day, Zechariah was serving in the temple as priest when the angel Gabriel appeared to him, and the angel told him that he was going to have a son. Zechariah objected. I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Now, unlike the father on the radio, for Zechariah, it wasn't just his age that could have made him doubt. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, he told him just what John would be. He will be great before the Lord, set apart for a holy purpose, and filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. I don't know which is worse. Uncertainty about the future of your child or the certainty that your child will be a prophet tasked with confronting a disobedient and rebellious people. No one wants that for their child. That is inglorious and dangerous work. Prophets are treated shamefully. They are persecuted and they are stoned. What's it like when your child starts wandering out into the wilderness, dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey, proclaiming that the end is near? Now, whether or not Zechariah grasped what his son's future would entail, he certainly didn't at first embrace it. He wouldn't believe it. And so he was given a chance to think things over. Gabriel said, you will be silent and unable to speak until these things take place, because you did not believe my words. That silence must have done some good, because when we arrive at our gospel lesson this morning, Zechariah is a completely different person. When they ask him, what shall the child be named, he didn't cling to his own hopes for his son's future. He didn't insist that this child would fulfill his own expectations. He didn't insist on his own name, Zechariah, for the child. He agreed to the future that God had planned for him. His name is John, he wrote, just as the angel had told him. And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and opening his mouth, Zechariah prophesied, singing a transcendent, beautiful song, about the faithfulness of God. Dr. Norman Nagel once described John's life as sudden, swift, devastating, and dramatic. We'll hear the end of that story in just a few weeks as Herod beheads John the Baptist for being a true prophet. John's life and his death as a martyr certainly did not meet the measured priestly expectations his father Zechariah once had for him. Nevertheless, looking into a future that he couldn't control, Zechariah did not lament his son's calling as a prophet. 
He didn't resist or try to manipulate what God had planned. Instead, he blessed God. Because he saw that in this, in the birth of his son, in spite of the future that was in store for him, God was visiting and redeeming his people. That he was bringing salvation from the house of David. That everything the prophets of Israel had once said long ago was coming true right here and right now. That this was the moment of God's faithfulness. That God was now fulfilling the covenant of old that he made with Abraham. The promise that he would bless the world and save us from our sins. Zechariah could sing this song and not lament because he understood that the birth of John was not simply something that concerned his family. It wasn't just about him and Elizabeth and John. It was about the whole world. And it was about all people from all time. The birth of John, which on its own would have been a miraculous and otherworldly moment for these parents. That birth of John was suddenly drawn up into a story and a miracle much, much bigger than they could have imagined. And it is for that reason that today we celebrate a feast. Because today is not simply a day in the middle of June, or a day before or after or during your summer vacation plans. It's a day six months before Christmas Eve. A day six months before we celebrate the sunrise visiting us from on high, the light who shone in darkness and in the shadow of death. We celebrate this feast today to remind you that your days are not simply bound up with your own expectations. They're not ordered toward a future within your control. They are instead bound up with the story of salvation. Your days are marked and measured by the covenant-keeping faithfulness of God. Your lives, like the life of John the Baptist, have been drawn up into a story and a miracle much, much bigger than you could have imagined. It is the same story about which Zechariah sang. It's the story of the God who saw you. And by you, I mean you personally, you individually. He saw you in the misery of sin and death, and he did not pass you by. He did not leave you to your fate to the unavoidable future of one who sits in darkness and the shadow of death. He did not consider it too great a task or not worth the effort to come to you, declaring that every valley should be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, the crooked paths straight and the rough places plain in order to prepare a way for his mercy to come to you, in order to reveal his glory to you, the glory of the only begotten Son of God, crucified, bearing all your misery and sin into the grave and even to the depths of hell. He did not consider it beneath him to give up his life to guide your feet into the way of peace. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed you, delivering you from the hand of your enemies that you might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all your days, promising you and your children and your children's children a future that you don't need to control because it is a glorious future made certain in the resurrection of Jesus. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.